everyone. Welcome to Cycle Systems Online Podcast. So John and I have done various podcasts about tubulous tires over the years. I've spoken to all sorts of industry experts from Xavier Disney, from AeroCoach, Josh Silker from Portner, Jean-Paul Ballard from Swiss Side, and more. And there's still... While on the mountain bike side of things, tubeless tyres are pretty straightforward. On the road, maybe not quite so much. And there's still lots of questions. In fact, new technologies being developed. So what I wanted to do was to give you a bit of an overall, because you may not have heard our podcasts before. Some of them were years and years ago now. So just to give you an overall about tubeless tyres, let's look what's out there at the moment and then look at some of the potential issues and things to look out for either as a rider or a mechanic. So a tubeless tyre then is not to be confused with a tubular, although there are tubeless tubulars out there. The uh, now old school tubular tyres, which were essentially an inner tube sewn inside a tyre with no bead. So you know that thing that gives the tyre its shape whether it's a non-folding tyre, that's a metal bead, or even a folding tyre has a Kevlar bead and it folds out to the shape of a tyre and that's what hooks onto the rim. Essentially, a tubular tyre was like a big rubber sausage with an inner tube inside, often a latex one, and you glued it to the rim. So while tubeless versions of these were developed for cyclocross initially and were used Famously, uh, road-going versions were used by Team Sky, as they were then in the classics. The tubeless systems have largely taken over, although interestingly, first and second in the women's Paris-Roubaix that happened two days before I recorded this were both on old-school tubulars. So tubeless, then, is essentially, think of your old-school clincher with an inner tube in there that we all know, we're just replacing that inner tube with some sealant. And that means it's a completely different design of rim, a completely different type of rim tape, if we have a rim tape, if the rim itself isn't solid, and a different type of tire. And of course, a separate valve, because in the past, the valve was part of the inner tube. So essentially, what we've got is different components made by different manufacturers with some potential issues, uh, especially at road speed. So on the mountain bike side, the original tubeless were UST systems developed by Mavic. They were very airtight, so the tires were non-porous. The rim was very well designed to hold air. that They'd snap on and hold air very, very well. But essentially, they were quite heavy the UST systems. So tubeless ready came along, first of all, in the mountain bike world and is now ubiquitous everywhere. And tubeless ready initially just meant there was no legal standard on the rim, as there was for UST, or the tyre, as there was for UST. And the tubeless ready tyres were porous, so that the sealant itself did part of the airtight sealing, and it was a lighter system. So hence, people um, would use that. And also, at the time, it wasn't governed by regulation. So people could make up stuff as they went along, as the bike industry likes to do. So essentially, for mountain bikes with the nice low pressures and tubeless tyres, by the way, 
facilitate lower pressures because essentially they have less rolling resistance. In the past, we'd pump our tires up harder to get less rolling resistance. It's still true to a degree. Rolling resistance, what is it? It's essentially the energy lost when a tire, and if there's an inner tube, an inner tube deforms and reforms as the tire goes round and round. So if you imagine that contact patch of the tire on the road, the material is deforming and reforming. So the more supple a material, the less energy is lost in this movement. That's your rolling resistance, which obviously slows you down. So a tubeless tire having nothing to deform within the tire has less rolling resistance. It means we can lower the pressure, have the same rolling resistance, and also have more grip and more comfort with the uh, lower pressure. Now that increased grip actually helps with acceleration out of corners and all sorts of great things, not just keeping us uh, the right way around on the trail or the road. So essentially the tubeless tires then off-road, 20, I say 20-25 PSI, pretty much problem-free, no matter what tire, no matter what rim. The only potential issue at very low pressures is the tire burping. So that can mean when you really put side pressure on the, the tire, you know, when you're riding off camber or on a big hit, it can burp a bit of air out as the seal is broken between the, the sidewall of the tire, you know, the actual bead of the tire and the rim. Now, normally on a burp, that would snap back into place. But if it actually removes the ceiling while you're riding, then the tire will just completely come off the rim because it's just not being held onto the rim anymore. And this is exactly what happened to a Canadian rider in Paris-Roubaix yesterday, as I'm speaking, um, Canadian rider riding for some evil uh, sports washing team was smashing through the forest of Arenberg and you just saw his tubeless tire just fly off the rim because essentially it burped some air out. It, actually snapped the bead off the rim because it's the air pressure that snaps it on and is holding the air pressure in place and it just came off and he did well to stay up and you could see the sealant inside the tire which is what's there to protect against impact flats and pinch flats but he just hit a big rock in the forest of Arenberg and the system just wasn't suitable to deal with that so it's normally more of a problem for mountain bikes, but I guess Paris-Roubaix is a, an off-road ride for roadies, an off-road race for roadies, rather. But once we got onto road pressures then, and by the way, gravel bikes, we tend to lump them in with mountain bikes. We're going to under 40 PSI pressure, aren't we, for off-road gravel bike tyres. Once we get above 40 PSI and get into road bike pressures, we start getting into a lot more problems. And this is simply because the tires and the um, rims are narrower. There's a lot less space to play with. And small differences can make a massive difference in terms of the tire either holding on to the rim or even setting up tubeless in the first place. And some people have found at times certain rim and tire combinations mean it's almost impossible to get the tire on. And when the tire's on, almost impossible to get it off. So essentially, with Road Tubeless, when it first came in around about 2010 or so, while Shimano and Hutchinson 
tried to bring in a, a unified system, everyone did their own thing. And you've got to remember, most wheel manufacturers don't make tires and vice versa. And ironically, even though Specialized have their own wheel company and tire company, um, they are one of the companies with the biggest problems with road tubeless, with a lot of their sponsored teams actually riding clinches in the last few years within the tubes in. And a lot of the tubeless tires I've personally had the most problems with on road bikes has been the specialized tubeless system. I don't buy them anymore. Although I've got one bike set up with the Roubaix versions at the moment and they've been okay. So not saying they're all bad. But essentially with the road, we're looking at potentially more problems. And then what happened a few years back is Mavic originally came up with the hookless rims originally for mountain bikes where there's just no hook on the rim and this is much cheaper and easier to produce carbon rims in this way it's why it was done don't think there's any other reason for it guys it also makes the rims slightly lighter and everyone loves to save five grams off their three grand wheel set right the problem being when this transferred to road um, pressures as i've said in previous podcasts what happens is there's a tendency for the tire to jump off the rim. So some of these systems will say 28 mil minimum tire width and 70 PSI maximum pressure. And certainly Josh Portner from Silker Tools, formerly of Zip, his independent testing has shown tu tubeless tires jumping off hookless rims at 10% below the maximum inflation pressure. So I would say as overall system, road hookless is unsound. It is the 2023 version of the chew, of the carbon clincher. Do you remember those guys, a carb, full carbon clincher rim with a carbon braking surface where your rim brake would melt the braking surface and you'd fall off your bike? Remember, guys, the bike industry doesn't care if you die as long as you've bought their wheels first. And I will say that for road hookless as well as for carbon clinches. It's just ridiculous system. Also, like I've said, you buy tires from one company and rims from another without any standardization, and you're just asking for trouble. If you want to break into the bike trade, train your staff, or even learn some new skills just for fun, Cycle Systems Academy has a course for you. Our graduates come to us from all over the globe and train with us to gain the highest recognized cycle mechanic qualifications available. The bike industry supports and believes in Cycle Systems Academy, which means they'll believe in you too. So... 2019 we start to hear noises from the iso that the international standards organization that they're going to take measures to have international standards for hooked and hookless road tubeless rims and tires which all sounds great so in terms of the measurements and dimensions uh, it all sounds great but in 2023 I'm not seeing wheels advertised and tyres advertised with this ISO stamp. And there's no actual way to police this. There's no one going to get prosecuted if their products don't meet this standard. So there's, you're still playing guesswork, essentially. And 
the only thing I can say to customers and for my own peace of mind and my own bikes, because I love to ride tubeless myself, is I'll work with a company, I'll ride or work with a company that I really trust, such as DT Swiss or Swiss Side, and I'll work with hooked rims and, um, you know, tire manufacturer that I trust, such as Continental or Vittoria or what have you. And it's a tried and tested method that works. So the question is, is is it worth it anyway? And there's lots of road riders out there who I completely respect who say, well, no. You know, they might have had their bike in storage for three months, maybe over the winter, you know, whatever reason. They come downstairs, the tires are completely flat, they go to pump them and the sealant's all dried out or leaked, dried off or leaked out, what have you. And they've got to go through the somewhat time-consuming process of setting up the tubeless tire. It's not that big a deal, actually, guys, but if you've got to clean the old sealant off the rim and tire first, it's definitely more time-consuming than just pumping up an inner tube tire and riding, which is what we you know, would do for a clincher. And the question, I suppose, is, is, is it worth it? Is tubeless worth the extra hassle? And it's still really subjective. I mean, as I said, I've had problems with specialized tires, most of all. But essentially, with road tubeless tires, because of the high pressure, the theory is that when you puncture, the sealant is sucked towards the hole and seals the hole. And it does work. And the first time I saw it work on a mountain bike tire, I was like, wow, this is voodoo. You know, it's amazing. Like the bike rides nicer with these tubeless tires. I'd already noticed that. But I can forget punctures. And in fact, you know, I can't remember the last time I had a flat tire on a mountain bike because I'm riding tubeless all the time for years. And I'll always carry a spare tube just in case, but I've not needed one. Whereas on the road, you can lose all the pressure while the tire seals. And in fact, when you look at the amount of tubeless plug repair kits that are out there on the market, it does seem to me that a lot of people are having punctures still in their tubeless tires, which, to be honest, does really defeat the object, as far as I'm concerned. The whole point, really, is that you get the sealant in the tire. This sealant doesn't seal inner tubes very well, but it does seal tires. The idea for me with tubeless is it's nice high-performance system that just works for puncture resistance. No pinch flaps because there's nothing to pinch and no impact flaps because the sealant's doing its job. Now, you can get a pinch flat on a tyre, but you've got to really smash it, you know. So you've got to be gravel riding or Paris-Roubaix riding, I think, to get a, a, a tubeless pinch flat. So essentially, in terms of running tubeless tyres then, they're not lighter. You know, the overall system is similar. So you're removing the inner tube, but you've got slightly heavier tyre and rim. And of course, you've got the weight of the sealant. So you don't run them because they're lighter. Yes, they're lowering rolling resistance than a clincher setup. But to be honest, if you put latex inner tubes in, you've pretty much squared that circle. So essentially, what I would say is for tubeless tires is once you've got a rim and a tire that you know are relatively well um, 
work relatively well together. You might have a rim, by the way, that's completely sealed, or you might have a rim that needs a tubeless rim tape. And essentially, once you've got a system that works, it's just it's just your choice whether you, th- you think, well, yes, I'm quite happy to top up the sealant every few months, to be checking the system if I'm not riding the bike. Then I would say it's quite nice. It gives you a nice peace of mind that you're road riding, you come across an unexpected gravel part or it's bad weather or there's a patch of broken glass. You should just be able to ride straight through it and the tire seals up. If not, something's not working, you know? So on that note, one of the things that cannot be working that well is potentially the sealant. And if you heard a wonderful podcast I did with Mike Stead a few months back, he talked about the new Silka carbon sealant. And this really does seem to be a game changer. So up until now, every single system has either been latex-based, like chemical-based, or it's been water-based. And they all pretty much do the same as the others, the latex ones being a bit better in terms of sealing, etc., but not as good for the environment and sometimes for your equipment. But essentially, they all pretty much did the same thing. Whereas the silica sealant is so good that you can't inject it through the valve like we can with other systems because it will seal the valve. It senses the hole and, you know, not, you know, intelligently, but essentially that's how it works. It fills the hole. Silker even had to invent their own bottling machines because it was blocking the bottling machines by sealing. So it will seal absolutely huge holes in your um, tires and I would say it's a real game changer so whether you're riding mountain bike gravel bikes e-bikes um, road bikes this the new silica carbon sealant actually got strips of recycled carbon fiber in there it's definitely worth trying it's what I'm going to be riding this year it's just a absolute no-brainer so for me you get that sealant in your tires you're off you know, you're absolutely off and you can just ride. It's going to require a bit more looking after through the year, but it gives you a bit of peace of mind for flats. Now, people who ride inner tubes say these days I hardly get any flats anyway, especially if they ride continental tires. You know, if you want to ride super light tires, like say the Vittoria Corsa Speed tires that I love. I would not go out for a ride on those or race on those with tubes in because there's definitely the chance of getting a flat. Whereas the tubeless version with the sealant, it would have to be pretty catastrophic to get flat on there. So obviously you need to make sure that the valve is compatible with the rim that you're running as well. There's all sorts of slightly different shapes there. So that's got to be completely airtight. But essentially, once you've got the tire, the sealant, the rim, the valve, everything working as you like it, it's just going to be your choice as to whether you think it's worth it for you. Certainly, Paris-Roubaix this year, what we noticed is lots and lots of flat tires. You know, after the Forest of Arenberg, there was some brilliant footage from escapecollective.cc of just a line of riders getting flats or double flats fixed and of course being disc brake bikes they were taking a long time it's one of the 
downsides of disc brakes on road bikes is it takes much longer to swap a wheel out, you know, up to two minutes in a world tour race as opposed to 10 seconds or so with rim brakes. So essentially, they're definitely not foolproof when they're ridden on the Paris-Roubaix cobbles. And what was interesting to me is another aspect of tubeless technology, which is the foam rim strips in between the tyre and the rim, uh, were definitely not universally used. When we saw um, Canadian sports washer guy crash, or not crash, but his, his tyre flew off his rim, there was no uh, foam in there at all. So, And I would have thought Paris-Roubaix would be the ideal race to put a foam liner in there. And I know certainly EF Education First team said they were riding with tubeless and foam and all the races this year. And essentially, the foam liner started off in mountain bikes, as you might imagine. And it was designed for people riding mountain bikes really hard, smashing their low pressure tires into rocks at high speed and rims getting damaged. So the in a mountain bike tire, the foam strip works in several ways. One, as an impact protector, but also it dampens the suspension effect. It dampens the springing back effect of the tires because the tire is on sprung suspension. So the bigger the tire, the more of a problem that is for traction and control. And people like our friend Matt Clark from Plush Suspension, who's a very, very good downhill and enduro racer, said for him the Cushcore tire inserts were the best upgrade on his bike that first season he rode them. And then that predictably spread into gravel bikes and to road bikes just to try and give a bit of protection. It's obviously a bit of extra weight. So, you know, may or may not be suitable for your road riding. It isn't for mine on smooth Swiss roads. But I think when I do the Paris-Roubaix Sportive with John Galloway in April 2024, I'll be on 30 mil tubeless tyres, relatively low pressures with a foam liner in there, definitely. And I'm going to take some spare tubes with me because for sure there could be issues there. And that has been one of the problems people have had with tubeless tyres is some tubeless tyres are fitted so tight on the rim. If they do fail catastrophically and they need to put an inner tube in, they just can't get the tyre off on the side of the road. So again, that's another reason some people just do not like tubeless. And it's perfectly valid. If you've had that experience, I can't tell you you're wrong, even if I've not had it myself. I completely understand how that can happen. So that isn't an endless factor, tubeless tyres. There's lots more we can talk about. I just wanted to give you a bit of an insight as to where we stand right now in a nutshell, if you're riding a mountain bike, go tubeless, no-brainer. If you're riding a gravel bike, go tubeless, no-brainer, especially a gravel bike, because the tires are so much narrower that once you drop them to the pressure that's really suitable for getting the grip you want off-road or the grip I want off-road, they're going to pinch flat when you hit something. So gravel bike, I wouldn't ride one without tubeless for sure. Road bike, totally your call if you don't mind the slight bit of extra hassle but do not get hookless road rims that's all from me for now bye bye (laughs) 